Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 38 years ago today, 329 people boarded Air India Flight 182. Most of them were Canadian citizens. More than 80 of them were young children. Some were parents, others friends, many leaders who had spent their entire lives giving back to their communities. In an act of pure evil, these great Canadians were stolen from us. They were murdered by vicious cowards who destroyed Flight 182 in an attempt to spread fear and division through terrorism. Yes, uh, June 23rd, 1985. The deadliest terror attack involving Canada and Canadian citizens. And as Pierre Polyev said in that clip, here we are 30 years, 38 years later, and the Angus Reid Institute reports that today 61% of Canadians have little knowledge of the terrorist attack, while 28% have no knowledge, and 58% of Canadians under the age of 35 have never heard of the bomb attack on the airliner. And the deadliest terror attack in Canada's history. My guest and my friend, Ujal Dessange, was booked on that flight with his family, but they cancelled their reservations just days earlier. This was before Ujal Dessange became an MLA in British Columbia in 1991. Fifteen years later, he was elected Premier of the province and in 2004 was elected a federal Liberal MP in the Paul Martin government where he became federal health minister. Ujal Dessange's autobiography is titled Journey After Midnight, India, Canada, and the Road Beyond. Ujal, thank you very much for, for taking the time. What are your thoughts on, uh, what were your thoughts on June 23rd, the last Friday, on the 38th anniversary of that terrible attack on the Air India flight. What were you thinking? Well, my thoughts go back to how um, we failed um, these individuals, people who perished um, in the flight, or the two who perished at the Tokyo Narita Airport. Um, we failed them because we um, didn't pay attention uh, to the warnings that were coming, that, uh, that something was... Um, uh, remiss and that uh, there may be a terror attack or attacks happening. Um, the, the RCMP, the CSIS, at least uh, in its infancy, uh, knew about some of them and they didn't take them seriously. And in fact, they had uh, weeks earlier um, seized uh, 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 following these individuals who eventually executed this attack. Um, I, I still don't know the reason why they did that. Um, so that thought comes to mind. And then what happened afterwards? Unfortunately, no one really adopted this tragedy other than the families that were left behind to mourn their losses. Um, because, um, because we didn't really believe that, um, that we'd lost Canadians because uh, they had names that weren't Smith or Jones or something else. Um, they were brown, and uh, the prime minister of the country at the time uh, uh, wasn't told uh, enough uh, about this being a Canadian tragedy. So he picked up the phone and and called uh, the prime minister of India to condole the deaths of Indians. Um, so I I think that that all around we failed them, 
before and after. And in part of the reason why this tragedy hasn't uh, registered as much or as seriously as it ought to have been in the minds of Canadians, in the historical sort of uh, <clears throat> sense of Canadians, uh, consciousness of Canadians, because because we didn't really treat it serious seriously until several years later when uh, there was an inquiry, Justice Major did the inquiry under Harper government and uh, brought perhaps uh, a, a minuscule, uh, you know, essence of closure. Um, but I think that if you talk to the families, uh, they still shed tears and they still say that there's been no closure because we haven't been able to successfully prosecute anyone except the chap who put together the bombs. And here we are, 38 years later, 60, 61% of Canadians have little knowledge of the attack, 28% have no knowledge, and 58% of Canadians under the age of 35 never even heard of the bomb attack on the airliner, which again is the deadliest terror attack in Canada's history on Canadians. Absolutely, and I, I think partly that's because that's because the public leadership, you know, I think Paul Martin attended uh, a memorial in Ireland, um, off the uh, coast, um, uh, and um, and uh, I think Mr. Harper attended a memorial once. Um, you know, I was speaking publicly at the memorial in Vancouver, and I raised it seriously, not to politicize the issue, but I said, you know, did the governor general of our country go to one of the memorials today? Did the prime minister of our country go to one of the memorials today? Because if the, if the leadership of the country adopts the tragedy as its own, as a Canadian tragedy, then people notice that and then people begin to pay, pay more attention and take it more seriously. And I think it really hasn't happened too often in our history. You and your family were booked on that flight. I, I was booked on that flight because I wanted to take my three sons to India. They hadn't been to India. They were born and raised here. They were young. Uh, um, uh, one of them uh, was, uh, I think the eldest was uh, uh, 11, I think, or 12. Uh, they weren't even in their teens. Um, and my brother, who, or my older brother, who lives in Canada, uh, he kept harassing me uh, to stop the journey and not go because he said that, you know, it's really hot at that time in, in India and you be killing my nephew. He, he kept telling me, uh, don't do this, don't go. And so finally, you know, he's my older brother and he was doing it out of concern for my children. And I listened to him. That's how I got off. So you went on a, on a trip across Canada by car instead? Uh, yeah, it was because a couple of days after, I think day after or two days after the Air India uh, a tragedy. Um, I was packing up to go across Canada because I had booked this time off for myself and my my children. And uh, and a couple of cops uh, drove uh, up to my van as I was packing, saying, "You know, get out of uh, Vancouver for a while uh, because we heard chatter on the phone that they're going to try and get you next." And, and that, um, yeah, that was one of the reasons that you that you also uh, didn't take that flight because you had been targeted and you've been very badly beaten uh, prior yes, to that uh, situation. Yes, I, I had been, I had been, but but that's I had no inkling that uh, they were targeting a plan. Subsequently, after 
uh, that they were targeting a plane. Um, subsequently, afterward, I heard that there had been some people speaking at the temple, uh, Ross Temple uh, in Vancouver, saying boycott Air India. It's an Indian entity. Uh, don't travel Air India. Um, so, you know, I uh, later on, one can sort of try and put two and two together. But prior to that, I had no one had any, any inkling this was coming down. Do you think, coming back to the issue of the general lack of awareness in this country about Flight 182, do you think it still has to do with race and... Uh, and names, Roy. I'm. I'm. Unfortunately, I'm of the view that it, it had to do with race at the time. Um, not many Canadians paid any attention. I. I genuinely believe that they thought these are some brown guys fighting over something that happened fifteen thousand miles away. Some of them wear turbans and they speak different languages. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I think that. Uh, they only began to take it seriously um, once the Air India plane went down. And obviously now we know even then they couldn't take it as seriously as they ought to have because uh, a CSIS uh, destroyed the tapes of all of the wiretaps that they had uh, taken down. Um, whether it was done inadvertently or make space for something, one doesn't know. So, you know, why would you be so uh, cavalier with uh, such an important uh, 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 pile of information such as the wiretap uh, uh, tapes? And, uh, and that's what happened. And, and that sort of, uh, the blunders continued. Uh, later on, the RCMP obviously became a lot more conscious. They hired uh, people who spoke the language, knew the culture, and they tried to get to it. But then, obviously, we now know it, it was too late to uh, have a really successful prosecution. It's, it's an integral part, an integral part of contemporary Canadian history. And we, 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 we need to acknowledge this and understand it. And we, we cannot adopt the, uh, well, I don't know, and I don't care. And, uh, you know, what's somebody, I, I like to say to people, what's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. Um, but we can't afford this. This is a very, very serious. Well, we, well, absolutely. We can't afford to ignore it. And, and the question that I rhetorically raised at the memorial where I spoke on the 23rd was, you know, would Biden uh, not attend um, the uh, commemoration of uh, the victims of 9-11 or um, something as serious as that? And that's not not that this is our 9-11. This is our largest mass murder in Canadian history. Yeah. And uh, if we don't uh, if we don't uh, allow it the the gravity and the seriousness in the way we approach it, then uh, then ordinary Canadians can be forgiven for not paying attention. Who was the most senior member of government, federal government, to attend this year? Uh, I have no idea. I know that the prime minister issued a letter. Um, and other other um, party leaders issued um, um, statements. Um, I have not. It has not been reported that anyone attended a memorial. Wow. Um, message sent. Hopefully delivered and understood. Ushal, can you stay with us a few minutes longer? I'd like to ask you about what's going on in this country with with the politics in in Canada. Parliament has just. Uh, 
taking its early yeah. recess for the summer break and it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm talking to you as a former member of parliament, but when there's uni- when you need unanimity to get a, a few extra days off, there's unanimity in our parliament. <laughs> unanimity to take time off? Yeah. Well, it, it, mean, was like, I, I, it was like I, when they had a vote on increasing the pension plan for MPs. There was unanimity. Oh, well, there you are. I mean, you know, nothing, there's nothing, nothing um, as important as self-interest, is it? <laughs> but I want to ask you about your assessment of what's going on with politics in this country now. Sure. All right, please. Because, you know, I've said to you many times, if I need a, a voice of reason and understanding, I always call on you. So I'm not so sure about that. Well, no, I to told you that. And I've also told you that if you decide to run politically again, I'll fly out to B.C. and I'll campaign with you. That may be more of a hindrance than a help, but I'd be there. <laughs> Thank you. As you look at the political environment in this country now, you look at all of the... I mean, it's not like they hate each other. It's like they want to get into a into um, you know, into a cage fight. We know that the tech giants want to get into a cage fight. But uh, would, you, would you be interested? Would you be today? Would you feel energized to get into, into the political arena federally? Not really. Um, I, you know, part of that is because been there, done that, and and time to kind of move on. Um, also, I'm I'm noticing. You know, I think it's it's been happening with every generation of politicians. I've been noticing that the politics is uh, becoming um, a, a lot nastier uh, than it used to be, even in my time. And uh, and uh, all you hear are accusations and counter accusations and. You don't hear great debates or, or great ideas. Uh, um, you know, you hear um, uh, speeches that polarize people. Obviously, polarizing is important for politics, but polarizing uh, not necessarily on great issues of our time, but on uh, mundane issues of our time. And that, I think, does injustice um, um, uh, to, to Canada, to Canadians. Um, and I, I have no desire to go back into uh, electoral politics. I was elected for over 17 years in in BC, uh, uh, and and uh, of course federally. Um, it, it 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 is true that in British Columbia, uh, you know, you are closer to the people. If you're in provincial politics, you are even closer to the people. If you're in civic or municipal politics. And when you're in Ottawa, people have this sense that Ottawa is too far away, uh, too sort of isolated uh, from the rest of Canada. Um, and people have that feeling and the, and, the, and the great distance between it and uh, various ends of Canada uh, lends uh, itself uh, to that belief, that perception, um, and takes a lot of time to travel back and forth. I... In seven years, I was the MP um, from British Columbia. I think I must have spent no, no more than seven weekends uh, in Ottawa. I always traveled back, and that takes a toll on people who are from far-flung areas of the country. And um, so all of that adds uh, to the perception that, that Ottawa is somewhat removed. And the so, other thing, you know, I, I'm so fond of saying now because I notice it, I... Not to criticize any sitting leaders uh, of the parties. Uh, you know, you don't have uh, uh, the great leaders of yesterday 
who argued about ideas and you know even even Joe Clark uh, who was uh, who had a short-lived uh, prime ministership uh, you know his image is one of always arguing sense always arguing uh, ideas and not um, not arguing personalities uh, and not polarizing people on the dumbest issues uh, but uh, talking about the great issues of the day um, and you know I mean people disagree with uh, older Trudeau but you know he had great ideas and uh, and obviously there were people who didn't like him that some ideas weren't that great but he had very strong beliefs and and argued those beliefs and and stood for them and I and I we don't have I'm not suggesting it should it should be leaders like him but they should have the courage of their convictions to stand up and be heard and be counted. And it seems to me that we have uh, very little of that in the um, federal leadership today, even in the provincial leadership today. Yeah, it's, I, I don't think I've ever said this on the air, but I've said it privately to friends. It's like politics of opportunism. If an opportunity arrives where you can denigrate or slash your opponent or just gain some points... Take it, because that's what it's about. It's about winning. It's not about leading anymore, and that's not good for no. the country. It's not good. No, it's, it's, it's not debating great ideas. It's no. not, you know, you may disagree with Trudeau, but it's nobody arguing do. with the just society or something like that. Let me just, let me just reach for politics of opportunism. I do disagree with Trudeau. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Jolly, I, it's, it's always a pleasure. It's always a real good pleasure to talk to you. to you. Thank you so much. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.